Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Ryan Lewis. He is Chief Business Developer, CBD, uh, at Global Cannabinoids. Uh, and we're looking at the work that they're doing in cannabis, understanding the space of the hemp plant, understanding a little bit of what the hemp plant is for those that don't know much about hemp. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how they've approached the market, how they produce hemp products for various industries, and how they've really looked at carving out a niche at the uh, kind of wholesale side of the supply chain. Fascinating space, I think, as the whole cannabis market develops, matures, we'll continue to see companies specializing in various aspects of the supply chain. And so this is a great case and a a story about how a company has really kind of approached this strategically and and done a great job with it. With that, Ryan, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much, Bruce. Thanks for having me. So why don't we talk a little bit about your background, just sort of professionally, and then how you got into the cannabis, into the hemp space where you saw the opportunity. Uh, you told me a little bit about your story, but I think for our audience, kind of understanding how you saw this as a business opportunity and how you approached it. So give us the background. Give us the story. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Southern California, which is really, you know, the epicenter of the, the cannabis culture. So I was always surrounded by it. But um, 
I ended up going to college on the East Coast. I went to Brown University in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, played football. And after college, you know, coming from Brown, it's a super liberal, you know, Ivy League school. And yeah. most of uh, the kids you go, you either go and hug a tree, you go to, into Hollywood, <laughs> or you go work on Wall Street. So I chose the latter and worked on Wall Street 13 years, investment banking, private equity, I had a lot of different jobs on Wall Street. But at the end of my career, one of my best friends, you know, had we'd been looking at the cannabis industry for a long time, trying to figure out how we were going to get into it. We were both cannoisseurs, very passionate about it. Nice. And nice. Um, he decided he was going to start a marijuana investment fund to invest in the marijuana industry. So he asked me to come on board and help raise $100 million. So that was 2013, 14. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, while I was at the fund, you know, I got a chance to look at hundreds of business plans every week from cannabis companies around the country and world looking yeah, for sure. investment capital. Yeah. And the first thing I realized, you know, while I'm dissecting these business plans are the challenges that marijuana companies have building a brand. You know, if you touch THC, you can't cross state lines. So all these business plans talked about, well, we're going to build the brand. We're going to license it to somebody in this state. And they have a manufacturing facility. And then we have this other distributor. And, you know, Bruce, brands are all about consistency. It's about recreating user experience over and over and over again. If Coca-Cola tasted different every time you went to taste it in another state, it's not Coca-Cola anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I asked myself this question. How do you build a brand in the cannabis industry? And that's what my attention turned towards hemp and hemp-derived cannabinoids. At the time, the only way to get legal hemp in the United States was from Europe or China. And so I started purchasing CBD from Europe. It was literally over $50,000 a kilogram, and it arrived in the mail. It was a pure white powder. I was pretty blown away by it. I ended up reselling that for $75,000, and I said, oh my God, this is insane. It's like it's a pretty good markup. I mean, but it, but it was like a pure white powder that comes from a cannabis plant. Like you're looking at it like this is unheard of. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating. And anybody I showed it to, I literally had to tell them, no, no, you don't put that in your nose. Okay, <laughs> this can melt it into an oil, and you add it into a product because it's an ingredient, yeah. and now you can have CBD in your product. But what ended up happening as I dove into that supply chain and established a, a direct, you know, importation business from Europe into the United States, what ended up happening was they passed the Farm Bill in 2014. And the Farm Bill created the first federally legal pathway for American-grown hemp. And so what I found out was that the Farm Bill hemp could not be grown for at least another year and three months. Colorado was the first state to adopt it. And I wasn't going to wait around for the hemp to be grown before I started selling it. So what I did was from my New York City apartment that overlooked the New York Stock Exchange right on Broad Street, Mm -hmm. I basically built the very first distribution company to sell American-grown hemp in bulk and wholesale. I literally built a website. It was called Entourage Nutritional Distributors. You know, I advertised that I had American-grown hemp for sale in bulk and wholesale, B2B, American-grown CBD oil. And I did that so that I could attract the buyers, identify who they are, understand what they were going to be putting CBD oil into, what products, understand their distribution. And I essentially, over that year period, I pre-sold 10 
tens of millions of dollars of CBD oil. And when the farms started getting planted in Colorado, moved to Colorado, I found the biggest hemp farm and they made me a partner in the farm to handle all sales, marketing and distribution because I already could sell everything. that. They- yeah, you had demand. Yeah, you already built the demand base. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's really my approach to any sort of business, right? Yeah. It's identify who your consumer is going to be, build relationships with them, understand what they want, then go find it, fill that need. Yeah. It's kind of the lean product or the, you know, the startup mentality of landing page, you know, generate demand and then backfill with uh, actual product and service, but doing it on a much larger scale and, and from an agricultural point of view. And part, Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And yeah. part of the problem with the cannabis and marijuana industry in general, right? And the oversupply and some of the things you've been hearing about, you know, is the fact that people went out especially in my industry, and they just started building extraction facilities and huge farms, but they didn't have any, you know, distribution. They didn't have customers ready to buy, you know? And so, you know, I always knew that, especially coming from Wall Street, you could have the best idea. You could have the most incredible product. Guess what? If you don't have customers to buy it, you got nothing. Yeah. Sales drives everything. <laughs> if, you know, if you don't have sales, you don't have a business. And if, if your business is struggling, it's about what are you selling and, and how are you selling it? Interesting. So tell us how things played out. So you have, you moved to Colorado, became a partner in this farm, started fulfilling these contracts. How did the kind of business develop? How did it mature? How did the market play out? I and mean, we've seen a lot of interesting things happening in cannabis in general, but hemp has been really active. Yeah. What's been the story? So the first thing I knew early on was that the hemp that we were going to be able to grow in the United States was very different than what had been imported up to that time and what was being grown overseas because the farm bill defined hemp as any cannabis sativa L that could produce naturally less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC on a dry weight basis. So when I read that, Mm -hmm. light bulb went off. I said, oh my God, so if I get sour diesel or blue dream to produce less than 0.3%, I can grow thousands of acres of it. Now, I already knew that what makes marijuana marijuana is all of the cannabinoids working together. You know, I always joke to my friends that are in the marijuana industry that they should just rename it to the THC industry. The entire industry is based on the regulation of one cannabinoid compound out of 100, and it's called THC. So we're producing the identical plants of marijuana, except that they're less than 0.3% THC. So I knew we would be the first to be able to basically commoditize and commercialize CBG, CBC, CBN, you know, and obviously the Varens now we're able to produce. But the first two years while I was in the trenches in Colorado, you know, the company that I helped to build, they had some of the largest hemp farms in the country because they had a amazing genetics and they had an even better farmer. But what we had to do was we had to build the extraction ourselves and scale it up ourselves. You know, there was no marijuana companies that were building extraction as large as we were on the hemp side. So everything was built to scale. We had to figure all that out. You know, the farming situation. I mean, we've had hemp farms that were completely wiped out from hailstorms, you know? So there's obviously, I learned about all the risks involved with farming. I learned about all the risks involved with extraction. We had a part break uh, on, on an extraction machine and it would take two weeks to get it. So that's two weeks we're not producing you know, oil and now I got customer orders that are backing up. So one of the things I learned after being two years in the trenches was that number one, what we really were dealing with was a commodity, although at the time it wasn't that commoditized. But during that time, more and more companies were popping yeah. up that were just growing and just extracting. So it mattered much less if you were actually producing it. You just needed access to it because bigger players were coming in and they would buy us out of our entire inventory and capacity. So having the ability to reach out to other producers and secure 
what they had was critical. But, you know, one of the main things is that during the first two years of the industry, there was a lot of things that needed to be worked out. You know, people still associated hemp with the the, the um, Controlled Substances Act. Right? Before that 2018, this most recent farm bill, which distinguished it, hemp and marijuana, there was still a lot of gray area. So people were still paranoid about whether they could ship it across state lines and things like that. So the first two years were very transformative. A lot of things needed to play out. But I always knew that because we had real federal legislation that was law of the land, passed by Congress, signed by the president, I always believed that you know the Controlled Substances Act, as long as we were producing oil that was less than 0.3%, you know, I knew we were in good shape. So a lot of people sat on the sidelines and they waited for complete clarity, but the opportunity lied within the gray, you know? And so you had to see it and you had to just go full steam ahead. I did over 60 million in sales the first 18 months of the U.S. hemp industry for this company. I built relationships with the biggest buyers, the biggest brands. We focused on B2B because I needed to build the supply chain. I always wanted to start a brand, even back in 2014. Actually, one of my best friends is uh, Rohan Marley, Bob Marley's son. Oh, yeah. My other great friend is Ray Lewis from the Baltimore Ravens. And I'll never forget, I was in uh, Rohan's house back in 2014. And uh, and I and Ray was there. And I said, Ray, we have to start a CBD brand. you know. And he wasn't even exactly sure what CBD was. I <laughs> yeah. try these products. And he came back. He's like, this is amazing. you know. I recovered so much faster. I feel better. I, you know, yeah. everything. So I said, start a brand. Well, we created this brand. We called Competitive Advantage. And it was for athletes. But I needed a supply chain. So that's why I went out and I literally devoted the first two years to building the supply chain because if you don't have a supply chain, you can't supply these brands, you know? And so that's why I focused on B2B. There was a lot of competition from brands that were starting to come up. Everybody wanted to add CBD as an ingredient into their product. And so I focused on the supply first because again, I always knew that even if you were going to launch a brand, you needed a consistent, reliable supply of the product. And I wasn't going to sit around and let somebody else do it. I just did it. And after spending two years in Colorado, I left that company and I decided to build Global Cannabinoids, which really embodied everything that I had learned from two years, you know, knowing that hemp is a commodity. So it really mattered much less if we owned the farms and we owned the extraction because those are both truly just commodities. And, and I had a lot of friends, I was very fortunate, who went out, my friends, and built ten, raised tens of millions of dollars to build extraction facilities. And they came to me and they said, Ryan, you know, <laughs> you, first they tried to get me to invest. And I said, yeah. hell no, yeah. I am not investing in a farm. I am not investing in extraction. I've been there and done that. Yeah. And the main reason why is because when you're an extractor or you're one of these vertically integrated, you know, producers, what happens is a customer comes to you and they give you, say they need, you know, 5,000 kilos a month and you can only produce 2,500. So what ends up happening is you try to call these other producers and get the supply you need to fill the order, but they look at you as a competitor. Absolutely. So you're never going to get what you need at the price to be competitive. You know, they would say, oh yeah, you guys took 15 customers from us last month. We're not giving you what you need. Yeah. So I figured out that in order to be successful in this business, especially from the supply chain perspective, it 
mattered more if I was the bridge between all the suppliers and the brands that needed it. So when I created Global Cannabinoids, I focused on distribution because I learned early on customers really care about one thing. I mean, of course, you have to have great quality. It has to be third-party tested. But what they really care about is this. How quickly can you deliver their product? That's what they really care about. So in order to do that, I had to go out and build this network of extraction companies that could supply me the oils and the isolates. And the way I did that, my friends ended up going out raising tens of millions. I wouldn't invest with them, but they said, hey, can you give us a purchase order for $5 million so we can show our investors that we have a distribution platform? We have an outlet for what we're going to produce. I'd say, sure, give me 2% of your company if you go and raise the money. Well, a bunch of them went out, they raised tens of millions, built huge extraction. I own little pieces of it, but I don't care about that. I care about the fact that I control what comes out of those facilities. Then I moved the whole company from Colorado to Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas is Nevada is an amazing state, no Mm -hmm. state income tax. It's a great place to do business. You know, very friendly cannabis, well-regulated industry. CBD products can be distributed throughout the dispensaries, unlike some of these other states that have all these crazy rules about CBD products in marijuana stores. And um, I basically created this whole business model that was based on having the ability to take in thousands of kilograms from dozens of producers, test everything, know exactly what's in it. Once it's approved, passes our quality control, it then gets inventoried and distributed as a bulk ingredient, or it goes to an entire network of manufacturers that I've set up. And these are relationships that I've developed over five years with the biggest manufacturers in the country. And Bruce, let me tell you, this is the main thing that separates our company from other companies. The reality is, is that my competitors, you know, they think, oh, well, we, we're going to make CBD gummies, right? So they go and buy a gummy machine or <laughs> we're going to make pills, yeah. we're going to make pills and we're going to make soft gels. So yeah. they go buy these machines. They will never, ever, ever compete against the manufacturing companies that have been doing it for 25 years yeah. that are the biggest in the country. And so I went to those companies and I created exclusive relationships where I'm their exclusive supplier of their cannabinoid ingredients because all their customers now want it. So Mm -hmm. I give best supply, the best prices. Guess what they give me back? The best, highest quality GMP, ISO certified, some of them are OTC, manufactured products. I get favored nations pricing. I supply them the best quality cannabinoids. Now, guess what I can do? I can produce products at massive scale, products that meet the requirements of the Walgreens, the CVS, where a lot of our products are distributed because we supply brands that are in those retail locations. And that's why our business is thriving. You know, I always knew you're never going to be the best at everything. So yeah. don't try to yeah. find the companies that are and partner with them. Well, it's interesting because I think when the, you know, a lot of markets, a lot of states on, on the cannabis side, on the marijuana side, you know, have gone with these kind of fully integrated business models where you have to grow, process, dispense all from the same company. And, and in the beginning, it kind of made sense because you had control, right? You, you really knew the product. You could control the process. You could control demand. I mean, there was it, full integration kind of makes sense. But as an industry matures, like moving to uh, you know a segmented model is a much better strategy. And as a company, figuring out kind of which part, which segment of that supply chain you want to own is, is key. But do you see, I mean, it, it feels like you're kind of a little bit on the cutting edge of this. Like you're a little head of the industry on figuring that, sort of figuring that out, identifying that niche, developing the relationships. I mean, do you see more and more kind of segmentation of the industry as things 
mature and as, you know, the hemp and, I mean, I guess the hemp industry maybe is further ahead than the cannabis industry and, you know, obviously regulation stuff, you know, impacts it as well. But do you see yourselves as a leading, on the leading edge of this? Do you see that this is really happening across the board? What's your sense of the maturity of the industry at this point? Yeah, first of all, it's a global industry. We can ship our products around the world. That's number one. And I also knew that early on. You know, secondly, one of the things that truly separates us from everybody else is, you know, we're making data-driven decisions over here. So my website was the very first bulk and wholesale B2B distribution platform, like I said, for American-grown hemp. And I've, you know, you come to my website, globalcannabinoids.io, you fill out a form. We ask a lot of specific questions. You know, what type of business are you? What are you using our products for? What products are you interested in, et cetera? All of this information, it gives us data. So what we're able to do, and we get hundreds of companies from around the world a day that fill out this form. So we can identify trends in the industry. So we know trending cannabinoids, trending other ingredients. I can tell you what verticals the demand is coming from, whether it's nutraceutical, cosmetic, animal health, personal care, skin care. I can tell you the potencies that are in the most demand. I can tell you flavors. I can tell you geographical regions of the country, of the world, where the demand's coming from. We can then correlate demand with certain events. For example, Mm, I'll, I'll fill your listeners in on this. Whenever a state legalizes medical marijuana, there's a huge surge in demand for CBD products. So the correlation between the consumer and the legislation is that when marijuana is legalized, somehow hemp is now legalized, even though it most likely already is wherever they're in. in, Oh, interesting. It makes it okay or somehow opens up the market for them. Exactly. So, you know, if you're looking to start a brand, the right time to position it, if you're in a state that's about to legalize marijuana is probably during that time frame, right? Get ready for the onslaught of demand as soon as they pass that legislation. You know, the other thing we do is we analyze Google search results. So we're looking for, we have an algorithm that we've created, which can basically categorize search results based on whether it's nutraceutical, cosmetic, skincare. And what we're looking for is trends that consumers are searching for. So, you know, for example, we identified a trend last year in hyaluronic acid being a trending ingredient for skincare products. So guess what? We came out with our own hyaluronic acid anti-aging serum where we combined 300 milligrams of CBD. We made it for white label and we basically made that available instantly to our customers. Why? Because we know consumers are you looking for hyaluronic acid-based products and adding CBD into it gives them the ability ability to get both products in one. So, you know, that's just one example. Another more recent example is this whole sanitizer, you know, this this yeah. whole sanitizer craze, right? Yeah. And so about a month and a half ago, you know, we noticed the spike in online searches for hand sanitizer. Then we started monitoring online sites like Amazon to see what was happening. And we noticed companies started selling out. It was unavailable. Yeah. So we decided immediately to launch a cannabinoid infused hand sanitizer. Now remember, my customers are in the business of selling, you know, brands that are based on cannabinoids. So it only makes sense if we can combine cannabinoids into some sort of an ingredient formulation that makes sense to a consumer. You know, I'm not going to put CBD into, you know, toilet paper, even though there's been some funny memes coming around. (laughs) I'm sure there have. Memes like chill your ass out, like, you know, marijuana infused uh, toilet paper. I like it. But the reality is, is that it made sense 
sense to put cannabinoids in a sanitizer because if you know about cannabinoids, they have powerful antibacterial, antimicrobial properties. There was actually a study that came out in 2008 that showed cannabinoids could kill antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So by adding cannabinoids to a hand sanitizer, it only makes sense. So in order to do that and accomplish this product launch, I had to go out and secure large supplies of hand sanitizer, which I was able to do before the run on sanitizer. Now we're producing more sanitizers without cannabinoids because I have a duty and responsibility to supply hospitals, first responders. We're also donating a portion of all the sanitizers that we manufacture for our customers, and we're donating it to the first responders and hospitals here in Nevada and as well as uh, the state of New York. So identifying trends in the market and then creating products that combine whatever those trending ingredients or products are with cannabinoids is part of our business model and part of the key to our success. Yeah, it's certainly that kind of market-driven, demand-driven strategy, I think, is, you know, it's smart. I think it helps you really kind of see where the opportunities are and then position yourself quickly. Give us some insights of some of the trends because, yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about CBD. I walk down the streets in New York and I see, you know, signs or or I did when I was walking down the streets in New York, you know, seeing signs for, you know, we have CBD and, you know, everybody seems to be talking about CBD and putting CBD in things. But really, where where have you noticed sort of the big trends around types of products, you know, categories that seem to be really adopting CBD as a, a component ingredient into the products that they're putting onto shelves? Well, skincare is obviously huge, you know, uh, topical application. It's not, not an ingestible. So there's much less red tape and regulations associated with those products in terms of distribution nationwide. You know, there's much less resistance. Somebody's much more likely to take something and rub it on their skin than they are to eat it. So that's number one. Adding CBD to a skincare product makes sense because we know CBD, uh, cannabidiol, has anti-inflammatory effects and inflammation and bacteria is the cause of acne, for example. So, you know, having an anti-inflammatory can help reduce the redness from the inflammation caused by acne, which is caused by bacteria in the skin. And then having the antibacterial properties associated with CBD could also help reduce acne. So that's just one example for skincare, you know, and adding CBD as an ingredient. CBD really is just an ingredient though. And you hear a lot about full spectrum versus isolates. You know, CBD by itself tends to be relatively weak. It relies on the synergy of other compounds. So full spectrum products, full spectrum we define as having, uh, it's a full plant extract. And any full plant extract is going to have a little bit of THC. The THC in combination with the CBD, in combination with some of these other, you know, cannabinoid and terpenoid based compounds that are found naturally in the plant, they work synergistically together. That's how that entourage effect was coined. You know, it's a synergy between the compounds within the plant. So having a full spectrum product, especially if you, as an ingestible, you're going to tend to feel it much more because it's working on the receptors in a different way. I like to describe the effects that a full spectrum product has over an isolate product as being one that's more sustained. So you might get some sort of relief from an isolated CBD product, but the relief you're going to get from a full spectrum is going to be over a much longer duration of time. Now, the focus of you know my last couple of years in the industry has been to develop isolated cannabinoid compounds other than CBD. You know, and now with our the technology that we have, we've isolated CBG, CBC, and CBN. And each one of these cannabinoids have other effects. For example, CBN 
HPC binds five times more effective at the CB2 receptor, which is the receptor for pain. So CBC is going to be a much better ingredient to have for a pain relief product. CBN cannabinol is an amazing cannabinoid. I think it's truly going to revolutionize sleep because what this cannabinoid can do for sleep, it's like no other ingredient on earth. My mentor, his name's Elliot Balbert. He was the founder of Natrol. And five years ago, when I got in this industry, my mother said, oh, I want to introduce you to a family friend. You know, he's been in the nutraceutical industry. Well, it turns out he was the founder of the number one brand of melatonin in the world. So he built his fortune on sleep. Yeah. And when I've introduced him to CBN, he was blown away. So, you know, sleep is an incredible category. Everybody has problems with sleep. People are taking, you know, the Five-hour energy, Nate, you know, this is the five-hour energy is everywhere. Red Bull, everybody's hyped up. You know, you need to go to sleep at night. A lot of people have problems sleeping. As you get older, you have problems sleeping. So CBN, you're going to see that ingredient talking about trends. That is a cannabinoid that you're going to start to see, you know, in so many different products. We're bringing it to market. We have brands that we're supplying, but we're also developing brands to bring it to market because unfortunately, I can't rely on some of these brands to bring some of these cannabinoids to market as quickly as I feel is necessary. So that's one of the exciting things are the, the, the minor, more rare cannabinoids isolated that we can now introduce as ingredients in the products. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was kind of curious to what extent the information you have and the insights you develop almost gets you ahead of a lot of these brands. So the fact that you're actually creating brands or, or pushing brands to, to develop these, almost consulting with them or, or, or finding opportunities to create new brands in the market is is an interesting one. Because yeah, I think this, this kind of data-driven approach or insight-driven approach is, I've seen it works so well in so many industries, you know, seeing it now in the cannabis space is, you know, just makes sense. You know, I think particularly as, as the industry matures, as the market matures, as there's new segments, customer segments that are coming on that want, you know, slightly different things, you know, yes, everyone is hyped up about cannabis, but they want it for different reasons, different applications, different outcomes. And the more that we can really understand, you know, how that's developing and where the future opportunities are is, is where the business opportunities are. Interesting. What do you seek over the coming kind of months and years? Is, you know, any other trends or big shifts in the industry that you're anticipating or that you you suggest people kind of be on the lookout for? You know, the trends are just that. They're trends, right? So they ebb and flow. And my advice to anybody looking to get into the industry or somebody who's already in the industry is to pay attention to products that people are buying, you know, things that people are using because cannabinoids are incredible ingredients. And I always define a great product as a product that if you took the cannabinoids out of the product, is it a product that somebody would still want to buy and use? And that's really the litmus test for making a great product. So don't fall into the trap of just throwing CBD into some garbage formula or just a base of cream or lotion mm-hmm. and think it's going to do anything for somebody. Because the reality is the competition is going to be fierce. And the best strategy for you is to follow our lead. And our and we're developing products that, like I said, if you take the cannabinoids out of these products – the rest of the ingredients in this product is something you would still buy and use and love. And so, you know, make great products, make sure the formulas make sense. 
and just keep your eyes and ears open and look for opportunities to combine cannabinoids with things that people want to buy. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Ryan, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you and the business, what's the best way to get that information? So our website is globalcannabinoids.io. And I use the .io domain extension because it just separates us out from everybody else. A lot of the, the big tech startups are using .io. It means Indian Ocean, but it's an international type of a domain. There's a lot of information we have on that website. You know, you can fill out our contact form. We have 25 highly trained sales representatives, you know, who are really relationship managers. You know, I try to train my sales team to the fact that, hey, we're in the business of building relationships, educating customers. So they have a wealth of information. We're always happy to share that. And we have a full catalog. I think it's about 150 pages now. And you can find the catalog at globalcannabinoids.io slash catalog. And, you know, I encourage everybody to pick it up, check it out and reach out to us. You know, we have uh, amazing products. We're experts in cannabinoid formulations. We have an amazing supply chain of manufacturers. There's nothing we can't make or probably that we're already making. And, um, you know, we'd love to work with your business or your brand and, and help you get launched. Awesome. I'll make sure that the links and the information are in the show notes so people can click through and get that. I really appreciate the time. Great conversation. I think you're doing some really interesting work, you know, with sort of the advanced version of this industry, you know, like figuring out how do we really bail out supply chains and, and produce these products for a wide range of markets, wide range of industries. So, really interesting. I hope everyone listening here got a couple of good takeaways from it. Uh, But I appreciate your time and I appreciate you being part of the program. Yeah. Thanks so much, Bruce. Anytime, buddy. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.